0: by Christ this is Ephesians 4 4 there is one body and one spirit even as you are called in the one hope of your calling one Lord one faith one baptism one God and Father of all who is above all through all and in you all but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ wherefore he saith when he ascended up high Up on high, he led captivity captive, and gave gifts unto men. Now, if you were to put in a list, body, spirit, the one who calls you, the Lord, the faith that saves you, the baptism that saves you, and the one God and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. If you notice, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Now we're told that the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we're told through a through tradition, that they are separate persons, yet still the same God. Um, I don't go the route of accusing Trinitarians of being what they would call tri in this case, because it's still polytheism, or tri-theism is still polytheism, but it's just set on three. So I'm not going that route. What I will say is we have replaced Jesus with... A personal name of his that was used before the revelation of his name so for example when do you see the word Jesus in the Old Testament nowhere it's possible that it could be in the original Hebrew manuscripts. However, I'm not going that far. Because I'll say humbly, I don't know. But there's something to the effect. That. We're supposed to. Separate Jesus from the God of the Old Testament. And the thing that's puzzling to me. Is. Some Trinitarians know for a fact Jesus is the God of the Old Testament. However, they're still not willing to see that if they're going to say that, then they cannot claim that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are three separate persons. One thing to consider, if we are adopted into the body of Christ, a.k.a. the family of God, the body of God, if you will, then who is our adoptive father? Because this would explain how God is the creator of all people, everyone, yet is not The father of all. Because Jesus himself. Tells people. During his time here on earth. You are of. Your father the devil. So. Just like the last verse here. I just mentioned. He took captivity captive. And gave gifts unto men. Satan provides captivity. Jesus provides freedom. But what we must understand, is not the free will to do something. It's the freedom from the captivity that you were once in. When it says that we are slaves of Christ or servants of Christ, that's not an analogy, that's the truth. We need this. We need to be this because we can't be anything else other than a slave. We can't be free from the reality of either being a slave in the captivity of the devil, which is ultimately being a slave to sin because the devil is conquered because he's sinful, just like all the people with him. But what we must understand, Jesus took our place. I don't... I've come to understand... Honestly, the majority of my brothers and sisters in the Lord, and, and I'll say this, I used to be there mentally. We do not grasp the reality that he actually replaced us as the, as the sacrifice. He replaced us. Because here's the deal God, who cannot be held captive, takes captivity captive by replacing us as the captive. He is our advocate, more importantly, He is our ransom. So here's what happened when he takes the sin upon himself. We normally think of this as just all the bad things we've done throughout our lives even into the future onto him and then he cleanses us from that. What about the good works we were doing before we received the Holy Spirit? And I'm asking that question based upon the popular understanding of things in regards to Scripture. If you believe that there's a set, well, not a set time, but if you believe that there's an appointed time in which you do receive God's Spirit, which I'm not going to argue that yet, even though we have two instances where John the Baptist and David were born with the Holy Spirit, Yet still born sinful. Which in my opinion. Shows. So far. That receiving the Holy Spirit. Is not. Your new birth. It is the security. The guarantee. Of your new birth. And I go back to my original question. What happened to the good works. Because here's the deal. If we're born in sin, we may do good things according to what God has said is good. However, remember something. If your hands are already unclean, you can't do anything clean. Okay? If you're already spiritually dead, no matter how how you use your physical living to show out a specific spiritual living, you can truly do nothing spiritually living being spiritually dead. And I feel like it's easier to use the clean and unclean because Jesus uses both. But Jesus, you know, I believe that the clean and unclean is a little bit easier to understand at first than it is the spiritually dead and alive. Um, But that's just my opinion on that one. However, it still remains the same. If your hands are unclean, you can't do anything clean. So my question is, what happened to the good works that we had before we received His Spirit? Did God redeem the good works we had already done? Or were our good works actually sins? And that we've misunderstood the meaning of sin? That is actually just unrighteous works, meaning works from an unrighteous person. For example, um, an atheist and one who is truly saved by Christ can both help an elderly woman across the road. Both people, in the sight of each other, see that as a good work. Does God see it as a good work? Or, excuse me, does God see it as a clean, righteous work? No. Why? Because both people are born and still in their unrighteousness. The difference that's there is actually God himself. By God being within the individual, the works he does is not the ones that are counted as good works. It is Christ's works on earth that are given as fruits of righteousness to that person who is purposed to be saved by them. That's why that's why an atheist that can be one of the best individuals you'll ever meet will still not make it into the kingdom of heaven because they don't have the root yet claim to have all the fruit. Even if it's an implicit claim through their actions, even though they try with their best efforts, they miss the point. It's not about your efforts. Your effort is meaningless. It's Christ's effort that matters. And Christ didn't make your efforts more meaningful. Through his death and resurrection. And through the receiving of his spirit. No. He is showing you. That only he can do righteous works. And that you have to be made righteous. Because again if we receive his spirit that's holy if he just regenerates us to new life then there's no need for him to stay he has done his job it's not that God's going to leave you and forsake you no it's if he truly did just regenerate you And that's the gift you claim you got when you receive the Holy Spirit. Then why does he need to stay? Because he's given you everything that you need to be saved. That's the point. Why is it that he has to stay within us? And why is it that he is said to be the guarantee of our inheritance? Now, I want to go back to the passage we just read from Ephesians 4. And ironically enough, and awesomely enough, we are going over Ephesians 4 in my own local church. Um, so we see there is one body, body of Christ, one spirit, the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to look Real quick. I got to look for the specific reference. There is a verse in scripture. That shows clearly. Clearly. That not only is there a spirit of Christ. Meaning him in spirit. So in Romans 8, 9. You are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Now, check. Now, before I go further, well, actually, it so in Romans 8 9, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwells in you. If any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. If Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit himself is life because of righteousness. So, again, when we receive the Spirit of God, does he make us holy, or is he the holiness that we now have as a gift until the great day when we are finally glorified by him and revealed to be what he says we are? because it's just funny to me how it says Christ be in you if the Holy Spirit is a different person from Jesus like I hope that you know the ones listening are seeing the issues here because It clearly says, But you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with them, that we may be also glorified together. So, just like it says that we will be as him on that great day it says it right here we'll be glorified together cuz one of the one of these small yet so powerful truths that you'll learn Jesus is always greater than himself and why is that Because Him and the Father are the same. And the Father is greater than the Son. But the Father is only revealed to people by the Son. That's why you cannot have the Father without the Son. And that's why you cannot have the Son without the Father. Drawing you to Him. And I'm just going to say it again. So, you got Jesus, the Son of God, second person of the Trinity, supposedly. Then you have the Father, who's the first person, and the Holy Spirit, who's the third. If we looked at this, where they had the same spirit, because it already affirms that they have the same being of God. So, if, if the second person of the Trinity was the Spirit of Christ, I could be a little more lenient on this. But that's not what it is at all. Jesus is put as the second person of the Trinity. The Father and the Holy Spirit are the first and the third, and they're supposedly separate from each other. Now, what happens is, Jesus is now separated from these two. And I'm going to explain why. You have a man who is fully God and fully man as the second person of the Trinity. Okay? The Father and the Holy Spirit. Check this out. The Father and the Holy Spirit are both spirits. The Father and the Holy Spirit are both God. The Father and the Holy Spirit are both holy. What is different about the Father and the Holy Spirit? Nothing. There is nothing different about them. There's nothing separate about them. And you'll hear, oh, it's not because of their attributes, it's about their work. But you can't make that claim because you already separated Jesus from the other two, the other supposed two separate persons, by attributes. Ironically enough, Jesus is separated from 66.6% of the Trinity in this case so when we say one Lord one spirit the spirit is the Lord and if it's Christ within you what is his name You know who the Lord is. Call him by his name. His name is Jesus. He is the Christ within you. He is the Lord of the Old Testament. And the new. Jesus adopted you, guys. Are you willing to stop being afraid And start proclaiming proudly that Jesus is your God today. Because I'm going to tell you something that is good news. But it's not good for everybody. And it should be good for everybody. But since we are told by him the reality of this world. We have no reason to believe that it's good for everybody. There is no other God except Jesus Christ. He has proved it. Proved it over and over and over again. Not only before he came to the earth, but specifically in our position today, the last 2,000 years. He is the destroyer of empires. He is the one that brings them up and throws them to the ground. He is the one who deceives false prophets in order to also give strong delusion because he has created a set people to be deceived by the devil. And the Lord shows you and is truthful with you that the Satan, the Satan, that Satan can do nothing outside of God's will. And not only that, he cannot even do anything outside of his command, outside of his provisions. There is no scenario of two gods. There's the true God and the fake. Do you not think that the fake one is going to try his best to be like the true one? Absolutely. Again, I stress, please do some homework on not just false religion. Because look... Any false religion you pick and truthfully study it and see where the thought process is for the people you're trying to witness to, it's a wonderful thing. It's wonderful. But the problem is we ignore the main one we should be going after, and that's Roman Catholicism. Because it would be Judaism, but there is no more Judaism. Judaism has been so perverted. It's nothing like it originally was, nor was it intended by God to ever be more than what it was. Because it was all pointing to him, himself. Like, I am God, I do what I want. Do you not understand that yet? do you believe upon me that I will do you good or harm? Because if you don't believe that he's going to do you good, he's only going to do you harm. And I'm not talking about the ignorant that don't know him, or the ignorant that haven't been in his word enough. No, I'm talking about... The ones that know and continue to be delinquent. Like, at a certain point, the ignorant that just keeps showing ignorance needs to be told that they're stupid. Out of love. Like, hey, you are, you're not only heretical, you're purposefully bashful. For no reason. I've said before, as we look back in our passage from Ephesians 4, so we have one body, the body of Christ, one spirit, the spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, Him. One faith. Again, if we take this list and have any other answer than Jesus Christ to any of these things, then we've missed the point. In Jude 1.3, he states clearly, Jude does, that we are to contend for the faith once and for all delivered to the saints now that seems like a simple sentence in itself but think about this he's talking about the saints from the beginning of time to the ending of it unto eternity you catch that once and for all delivered so already the faith we must have is a gift from God Here's the problem we run into, though. Or where this could be problematic for people. There are still some that go as far as still to say that they don't earn salvation, yet it's by their faith that they receive His righteousness. There are some... And I'll and I'll be honest, I believe that is the popular that this is what what I'm about to say is the popular understanding within my own church that the faith we once had before we received the Spirit or the the faith that we're given by God is just this It's like a redeemed faith. It's like as if, if you want to say that it's a gift from God, which it truthfully is, then the popular view of that is you're given a redeemed version of your own faith. Meaning your faith's just redeemed because you're regenerated, basically. Um, The other view is If you don't want to believe that faith is a gift from God, which you should, then, of course, you're going to say that it's by your faith. And And more than likely, you'll have to say that you don't earn it because the moment you do, you're discredited, as you should be. Because that's the only reason why you're not saying that. It's not because... That's not the truth of what you're saying. That's exactly what you're saying. If you believe that. But I'm here to tell you, both of those are incorrect. The one faith that was once for all delivered unto the saints was delivered by God. Okay? Jesus on the cross, Father, I commend to you my spirit. By the way, on a side note, the seven last words of Christ, wonderful music. Anyway, those were his last seven words, by the way. That spirit, his spirit that he gave to the Father on earth is the spirit that we're given. His spirit contains everything about him. When it says in the scripture that he himself is eternal life, that's not an analogy. You are given his life in place of yours. That's why you are dead in the world. You're not of the world. You're only in it. Christ took our place of being of the world because the world cannot hold him captive to claim that he is of the world. If God, Jesus, loves those who are not of the world, how do you think he feels about those who will always be of the world. And we've come to, in our society, to say, oh, he still loves them. But wait a minute, what about the word hate? Oh, hatred just means not preferred. Like, we've we've gone past the deliberation. And we have to come to realize, a long time ago, a lot of the people that were speaking out the truth had been removed and the truth was replaced with these lies. That it's by you that you receive anything from God. Your imperfect faith, my imperfect faith in Jesus Christ cannot help me to receive His perfect righteousness. The faith He showed here is within the spirit that we receive. It's a gift of his spirit, a gift of his grace. He lived the life that we couldn't, and we say that all the time, but we truly don't even know what that means. We don't understand that we have been removed from the narrative, in a sense, when it comes to life. Even if I live to be a hundred years old on the earth, have a bunch of children and all this stuff, my life is still meaningless compared to Jesus Christ's life. You'd be surprised how many people get upset with you whenever you tell them your life doesn't matter. Jesus Christ matters. And a big problem is regeneration. Because when you claim to be regenerated and claim to be born again, but yet you still claim to be sinful, it may be an honest claim the claim to be sinful, but you don't understand that means you wasn't made new yet. You simply have the security behind the reality of your belief. That's why we can have a confident hope. We can have extreme confidence in Jesus Christ. And we've never personally met him in person. But that's why we can literally stay in his word And he gives wisdom to people that don't have degrees. The guy who's speaking to you right now does not have a degree and needs none. I have my certification. His name is Jesus Christ. I do nothing in my own name. Anymore. Everything that was in my name, all my good and bad works according to people and all my unrighteous works according to God, they have been eradicated. I am not perfect today, but I will be. I will be. And I pray that you will be as well. But imperfect faith, does not receive perfect righteousness. It's not counted as that. I'm sorry. The faith that was counted as righteousness all the way from Abraham all the way to John at Patmos. It was Jesus' faith. Not their own. We have been duped on that. That goes for people in my own church. That goes for the the elders in my church. And myself in the past. And I'm so happy. That I've come to realize. That when we receive eternal life. That when we become truly. A part. Of the body of Christ. We are literally attached to him. 100%. Unconditionally. We have his sufferings. We have his gentleness and meekness. We have his love. We have his law. We have his salvation. We have his mind. We have his... His fear of God, which is shown in Jeremiah uh, 32, 36 through 41. You'll see it in verse 40, I believe. Anyway, we receive His blood. We receive His Spirit. We receive Himself. We receive... We receive His... His life. We receive His justification. Through His advocacy. We are conquerors over Satan. If you will, being attached to Jesus Christ, we are in the same body That crushes the head of the serpent with his foot. We are conquerors through him. That's why I don't mind going up against the Roman Catholic Church. Because empires fall by the word of God. They are brought up and thrown down by God. And he gives wise to the simple. And popularizes. The proud and prudent. Because his children will be found. Because we are children of light. And the world is increasingly getting darker. And darker and darker. We are being surrounded. And I'm telling you Jesus. Jesus. He told us, he told us about this, if the world hates you just know it hate me first. It's funny how when we think that we have all these likes for the things we say about Christ that supposedly that means that you're on the right track. I, I hate to tell you this but that can't be further from the truth. I'm not saying that everybody that's criticized for how they feel about Christ is not in the right, but I'm one of the most criticized people ever and it only proves the point because Jesus Christ is the most criticized individual to have ever lived. On earth and continue to live. And it's simply because he continues to live that he is the most criticized. An atheist, I argue, gets mad daily simply because he cannot help but have Jesus in his thoughts, on his lips, in his eyesight, in his hearing. I'm not talking about spiritual sight and spiritual hearing. I'm talking about physical. You know, physically reading something, hearing something. But my, my point is, Jesus Christ reigns. He's always reigned. And the thing we have to understand is, He came here and manifested the name of God to us. If you believe in God... You must believe in Jesus. He is God. There is no other. He did not sit on the Father's lap. He is the Father wearing the crown. And until you're ready to humble yourself and admit that, I'm telling you, it's a glorious day when you do it. You're going to start to see the world that Jesus saw. Not the exact way he saw it. But according to the measure of the gift he gives you. So, one quick overview. Last two minutes here. So. Again. When you look at one faith and one baptism and one father of all, above all, through all, and in all, you're looking at the faith of Jesus Christ himself that is given to all the saints. You're looking at Jesus' death and resurrection And for clarification on that, check out John 12, when Jesus speaks of this before it happens. But it's after his water baptism. But you have the body of Christ, the spirit of Christ, the faith of Christ, the baptism of Christ, which is death and resurrection. and the god and father of christ who is above all through all and in all he every aspect of god that you know of that he has told you about he is telling you and i pray that you hear him today i am he before abraham was I am. Before you were, I am. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know when the end is, but to think that someone else is sitting on that throne in heaven than Jesus Christ himself and no other is simply being deceived by the devil. And we all need to humble ourselves and look at ourselves daily because all throughout our lifetime we're going to deal with the revelation that we have already been deceived by the devil and that we must need Jesus Christ himself to save us. And I'm going to tell you on a light note why that is. Jesus is the one Who threw Satan out of heaven. Jesus is the only one who claimed. To see Satan fall out of heaven. And I'm here to tell you today. Is because. That's who Satan met. When he tried to be like the most high. In heaven. And Satan is trying to be like the most high. Here on earth today. And I'm just telling you, who is the only true example today of a messenger of truth, yet inwardly is a liar? I love each and every single one of you. God bless you all. Goodbye.